electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, translating Fed speak or trying to. It does sound like they would rather err on the side of oil prices. Of hiking. Look at oil prices. You wanted to talk about something different. No. How's this for something different? It's been very much the Boris Johnson show here in the UK. The British Prime Minister resigns as rising energy prices and a cost crunch spread globally. Europe's going to catch a cold. Maybe the UK just gets half of it, and then hopefully we can just get sniffles. Plus, crypto crumbles. Even tech returns have been rocky. So why not art? Own a piece of a Picasso. Masterworks CEO Scott Lynn says it's a reliable hedge. We have data going back centuries for how these artist markets have developed and appreciated over time. And artists like like Rothko um, today consistently appreciate around 13, 14, 15 percent. All that today and much more. It's Thursday, July 7th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. First up today on the podcast, U.S. stocks may be getting a bit of a bright spot. The S&P 500 seeing a few consecutive days of gains after the dismal first half of the year and the recession fear factor sweeping Wall Street. We know a bit more about the Federal Reserve's fight against inflation. Yesterday, the central bank released the minutes of its June meeting, which revealed the Fed is prepared to be even bolder to curb surging prices. July's meeting, which kicks off the 26th, will most likely bring another rate hike of 50 or 75 basis points. On top of the 75 approved in June, a basis point is one one-hundredth of one percentage point. The minutes also said that policymakers acknowledge this firmer stance could slow economic growth. And there's something weird about getting these details several weeks after a meeting. It's a reflective view, particularly as some signs of slowdown and maybe recession are flashing very brightly. The closely watched two-year, 10-year Treasury yield curve remains inverted. This classic recession indicator is where we start today, with Joe Kernan and Melissa Lee in studio at the NASDAQ market site. The real news here, though, is that the two-year note moved above 3%, and so that inversion is even deeper in Maybe the Maybe we already had point. three, Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Would this Friday, be four? Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The close above three, I think, is what was... Different. We didn't. We didn't. I don't think we, we did. We haven't. Do, we haven't we done did. it. Okay. So it, it um, have to do it today. No, we did it. I think yeah, we did it yeah, yeah. 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 I think yeah, we did. So we yeah. are on a three-day. On a. Yeah. I actually want to talk about all that stuff. But, but, you but do? go ahead. Well, I, I just want to talk about the you know all the stuff the Fed said. Well, I mean, it, show, it shows up here, right? If the two well, years moving up sharply, we know that rates are on the path to rise, and if the ten-year yield is moving lower, the worry is that a recession is is still a real possibility. The minutes. That caused them that we're, they're saying, yeah, yeah, we got to keep going. 75, 70, we got to keep. Yeah. That was June 14th and 15th. I know. Think of what has happened. You don't think the world has changed since June, June 14th and June 15th? I think that the world, I think that things have changed. 
but I think that the Fed's resolve to keep the foot on the pedal. <laughs> so they stay stuck is, on transitory. They say because they want to make sure. No, that I know, but the they, expectations. Initially, don't they embedded. didn't believe it. They stayed stuck on transitory. Stuck then on they, transitory. Yeah, then they get, the, then they and get religion, and now they it, would rather but, err on the side. But now it's a different of, place, and they're probably going to stay with tight too long. That's At least for the July meeting. And then they'll see. But okay. it does sound like they would rather err on the side of oil prices. Of hiking. Look at oil prices. Well, you wanted to talk about something different. No. That, this is what's changed since June yes, 14th. Yes, that's true. That's true. Take a look at oil prices. Yeah, because Joe commands me to do so. No, I'm uh, just saying that's what <laughs> I'm happened. I'm just joking. 2099. Yeah, I said that yesterday, too. I'm right, just going to let you do whatever below you want. 100. Even though, you know, it's my show. But go ahead. No. It is your show, Joe. Well, I'm, just, you I'm have, a guest Do you here. not have your show? And you just told me 13 years, Counselor. You've been fast money 13 years, right? With all your boys and girls uh -huh. that are on a night. Yeah, okay. proud of it. So I wouldn't claim to own fast money. That's true. Okay, good. Thank you for being I don't, here. I don't claim to own any. You just did sort I said your show. show. Okay, go ahead. This is your show. Right. How your about show. currency? This is your show. Let's do currencies because Joe says we should do currencies. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the BP. Um... British pound. British pound, because we have news out of the UK. We That's what we are do. watching this morning. And parity on, on the euro, which is... Virtually, basically parity. And the euro could be... I mean, Europe is closer to the issue than, than the UK is. Putin, uh, the oh, energy yes. problems in, in Germany, etc. But they're, not, they're, they're closer than we are. So, I mean, we can hopefully be insulated from a lot of the... Uh, you know, a lot of uh, that that is Europe's going to catch a cold or even the flu and maybe the UK just gets the half of it. And then hopefully we can just get sniffles over here from, from hope. That's the hope. Mr. Speaker, this is one of the greatest crises any of us can remember. He should have resigned. He should have resigned when Partygate happened. He should have yep. resigned when Dur Durhamgate happened. Exactly. He should have resigned when his ethics advisor resigned. Exactly. He, should have, he should have resigned a long, long time ago. But each and every one of them kept him here. You have concerns about the Prime Minister's ethics and integrity. And here is the breaking news out of the UK. Prime Minister Boris Johnson is set to resign. CNBC's Steve Sedg Sedgwick uh, joins us live from London. Steven, you're kind of a gossipy guy. I, is it really just the COVID parties? There's got to be more dissatisfaction. I, we wouldn't have anyone left. In our, uh, Gavin Newsom would be gone because he was out constantly without a mask on. I, 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 Nancy, not, We'd have nobody. If it was COVID hypocrisy, we'd have no government officials left here. You're right. But it, it, it has been one of the nails in the coffin of Boris Johnson. Joe, you were talking about Squawk and Melissa saying this is your show. Well, it's been very much the Boris Johnson show here in the UK for the last six years. He was the driving force, of course, behind Brexit. Uh, and he was the man who perhaps ended the Theresa May uh, prime ministerial reign as well in 2019. Uh, definitely. Um, the, the issues over integrity right at the centre uh, of the concerns regarding Boris Johnson and the fact that in recent days it has emerged that he actually appointed someone for whom there were sexual misconduct allegations about when he was the Foreign Secretary in 2019 and he still uh, reappointed this man back into government as well and then sent out uh, his MPs and his parliamentarians and his government members to say that he didn't know about those allegations as well. Well now that's come back to haunt Boris Johnson because I can tell you Joe within the last 48 hours we've seen first a trickle of resignations, one of the most damning coming from our own Treasury Secretary, our Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak as well 
well. Then we lost the health secretary as well in very short succession. And the government, which numbers around about 120 government ministers of all kinds of shapes and forms as well, has lost half its members in the last 48 hours. Member after member of the government has written letters to the prime minister saying, we just cannot work under you anymore. We believe your integrity uh, is questionable and we think we need a fresh start as well. So yes, Boris Johnson was very, very quick on the vaccines uh, and getting those out there. Yes, he got um, the party behind him and the country behind him on his vision of a post-Brexit future, which is still, of course, panning out. He was very quick as well to support Ukraine in its rearming uh, after the Russian invasion of Crimea in 2014. So yes, Boris Johnson will say, I got the big issues right. But the fact of the matter is the party doesn't trust him anymore. The government doesn't trust him anymore. Quick point on what happens next. Boris Johnson, we understand, wants to stay as a caretaker prime minister, a caretaker leader of the Conservative Party, uh, whilst we work out who's going to be his successor. But such is the febrile atmosphere here in Whitehall. And I can say I've never seen anything like it in all the years I've been covering politics as well. The fact of the matter is he may not even get that opportunity. A lot of his MPs say, no, we want you to go absolutely now, in which case someone else will have to step in as an interim prime minister and interim leader of the Conservative Party. Melissa and Joe, back to you both. The economy, the, the uh, energy policy, none of those things fact, factor into this. How, how do you manage some of those things? I, I've seen criticism. Maybe it's from his own party on, on his... Uh, Maybe being too green, missing the, the, the ball on, on uh, being able, not as bad, obviously, as, as Europe itself or Germany. But have you seen that criticism? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's come. I mean, look at how about this for uh, how amazing things have happened so quickly here. The Chancellor of the Exchequer, the, the, our Treasury Secretary, our, our Janet Yellen, resigned. And partly because, of course, he and Boris Johnson had different visions uh, over integrity. But they had different visions on the economy, on spending. On, 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 on taxation, on what tax rates should be, on how much spending there should be, and on some of those big issues. They were at loggerheads. Look, number 11 is there. That's where the Chancellor has his office. This is number 10 behind me, one of the most famous doors on the planet as well. So they had different visions about the economy. So then, and this is fascinating, 48 hours ago, we get a new Chancellor of the Exchequer, a new Treasury Secretary. His name's Nadim Sahawi. He's supposed to unveil a new economic policy with Boris Johnson on Monday, together, a vision, joint. He obviously accepted the job on the idea that he and Boris would get along, that they shared the vision over spending uh, and lower taxation as well. What happens today? Nadim Zahawi, the man who's been in position less than 48 hours, says, Boris Johnson, you've got to go. He publishes the most damning letter I have seen for years about Boris Johnson and about his integrity as well. That is how febrile things are here. The man who only came in 48 hours ago to direct UK economic policy with the Prime Minister, to work in cohesion with him rather than against him as Rishi Sunak was accused of doing for his own political aspirations, some might say as well. The fact is they saw divergence within 48 hours. That is how quickly Boris Johnson has lost trust on policy and on his own personality, I'm afraid. I'm going to miss that hair. Thank you, Steve Sedgwick. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. And of course I'm immensely proud of the achievements of this government from getting Brexit done to settling our relations uh, with the continent for over half a century, uh, reclaiming the power for this country to make its own laws in Parliament, getting us all through the pandemic delivering the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe, the fastest exit from lockdown, and 
in the last few months leading the West in standing up to Putin's aggression in Ukraine. I regret uh, not to have been successful in those arguments and of course it's painful not to be able to see through so many ideas and, and projects myself. But as we've seen uh, at Westminster, uh, the herd instinct is powerful. When the herd moves, it moves. There you have it. Uh, he will stay on as a caretaker uh, for uh, Prime Minister. Yeah, that's his plan at this point. He was, I wouldn't even say bowed. I wouldn't say bowed but not broken. He more or less said that uh, when the herd moves, there's really nothing much you can do about it. Uh, he went over, as Sedgwick said that he would, uh, you know, got the vaccine quickly, right. got out of lockdown quicker than anyone else. His... All the accomplishments would like to follow those through, but I'm not going to be able to continue because I've been unsuccessful in pushing back at what he kind of implied were um, maybe not justified attacks on, on uh, and we know what it's about. It's about the parties at Downing and, and, and uh, you know, not copping to, to appointing someone that had some issues. And the case also that he was trying to make was that this was not a time to change government because of all the issues that the UK is facing, the, whether it be reference. inflation yeah. Yeah. and the war and Economic Ukraine. turbulence. Exactly. That, that he but he was not about. successful in making the case. The other highlight here, aside from, from Johnson saying that he will remain the caretaker prime minister until a new leader is elected, is that the timetable will be set next week. And I guess the question here is what will happen Will there be an attempt for a no-confidence vote to remove him immediately? Um, yeah. So there's still a lot to learn about uh, what will unfold for the, for the British people. Um, in the meantime, we did see, did see the British pound hit a session high on the back of the resignation. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, we're diving into the art world. The market's soaring. $170 and one platform is offering investors shares of masterpieces. How do your fund man, how do your managers decide? I mean, I'd still think a Rothko was like worth like 50 bucks. Art as a portfolio hedge, and you don't have to shell out millions? That's right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. The regular market might be raising all sorts of alarms for investors, but one luxury market is soaring, art. This spring, auction house Christie's broke a record. The picture of Marilyn Monroe, arguably one of the most iconic pictures of the 20th century. Selling an Andy Warhol silk screen of Marilyn Monroe. You know the one, with the sage blue eye shadow, that shock of yellow hair. It went for $170 million. At $160 million, $170 million. You heard it, gentlemen in the third row. 
$170 million. All done. Last chance. Fair warning. With fees, it clocked $195 million, making it the highest price ever paid for a 20th century artwork at auction and the highest price ever paid for an American artist. Here it is then, the gentleman's bid, ladies and gentlemen, at $170 million for the Warhol. It's selling here to you, sir, at $170 million. It's just one of many big sales this year. In total, the auction houses brought in over $2.5 billion just in the spring. And as of May, Sotheby's successfully sold the most expensive art collection ever, $922 million in two auctions, one in November 2021 and one in May of this year. It's wild, really, considering how troubled the rest of the economy seems to be. But maybe not. Art has always been a store of value. Its appreciation metrics are more reliable than tech stocks, as we've seen, so it makes a pretty good hedge for investors looking to diversify their portfolios in a downturn. The catch, historically, this has been an option only for the wealthy. Until now. This is where companies like Masterworks come in. They offer investors fractional ownership, like equity shares, of major works from major artists. We're talking Basquiat and Banksy here. It works with the SEC to securitize the art it offers. They call it blue chip art, or what's more than a million dollars in value. We spoke to Scott Lynn, founder and CEO of Masterworks, this morning. Here's Joe. You know, Scott, I'll accept anything now. You know, when you when you tell me about NFTs and I see what, <laughs> what they go for, I, I'm willing to accept anything. But buying fractional shares of something, you can't hang a fractional share anywhere. It's just an investment, right? Well, it, well to be clear, we've never we've never been proponents of NFTs, so that's <laughs> that's no, that's I, one thing. I wasn't, but I wasn't speaking about them negatively. I I can I'd like there are a couple of NFTs I would buy if I could own. The, the proprietary rights to them. The, the good news is they're ninety percent off now, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can get I can get them cheap. Art obviously has is stood the test of time. It seems to go up uh, no matter what. It is in the eye of the beholder. But my my point was just that initially you bought art because you you like to hang it on your wall and you you can appreciate the beauty or the skill uh, that's manifested in the work. This is this more of, of trying to make some money uh, as as art goes up in value. Masterworks is strictly strictly an investment thesis. All of our investors, we have four hundred and sixty thousand people on the platform today. They're all really doing it to generate returns and diversify a portfolio. And if you look at contemporary art prices uh, this year compared to almost every other asset class, they continue to outperform. So I think I think at this point it's it's pretty clear that art deserves some allocation as part of a portfolio, uh, and today the the only way to really do that is is with Masterworks. I can remember at times in the past the the uh, the asset that had appreciated the most in any given year was of like Chinese ceramic pottery. So I'm I'm willing to to believe anything. But how do your uh, fund man? How do your managers decide? I mean I. I'd still think a Rothko was like worth like 50 bucks. How do they how do they know that's worth 50 million dollars? How do they know? How do you, they you know, know? The interesting the interesting thing about the art market which I think is is unique to uh, the asset class is that you've had art traded for hundreds of years at public auction. So Sotheby's <clears throat> which is one of the, the largest auction houses in the art market is 275 years old. So we have data going back centuries for how these artist markets have developed and appreciated over time. And, and artists like like Rothko um, today consistently appreciate around 13, 14, 15 percent um, for $10 million plus paintings. 
So we think that in particular is just an interesting investment case and people should think about it as part of an alternative asset class in general. It is odd, though, to, to some extent, and, and it's not greater fool theory. It's, it's none of those things. But you, you look at some of the great masters and, and what, what those pieces are worth. Does the Marilyn Monroe, do you understand how a contemporary artist who just you know died a couple of years ago, the inherent value of a... I'm a big Soutine fan, I, but it, and I, I just can't imagine that the inherent value of that versus, you know, five silk screens by a, an artist that was around in the, the 20th century, I don't, I don't see how you can value those things consistently. It's, it's really supply and demand. I mean, those, those Warhol Maryland paintings, there's different versions of them that have sold for $200 million or more historically. So, um, you know, there's there's a track record of, of that particular type of object selling, selling at that price point. And over time, over the decades um, since since that painting was painting, you, you can see those paintings appreciate. So we you know, we think it's an interesting investment from that perspective. And even when you look at the volatility in the art market, most of the returns in contemporary art are somewhat predictable. Uh, we like to think about this in a very technical sense. We think about it from a sharp ratio perspective. A lot of the sharp ratios in the art market or above one for specific artist markets that we focus on. So we do think the predictability of returns is is interesting. And the, the, the diversification, too. I, I'd hate to try to decide what was going to uh, appreciate. It, it, and as, as we move forward in time, crazier and crazier things can be considered art. Do you, are those in any of your portfolios like a... I saw a, a, a bed that was not made with a, a, an ashtray next to it, and it was sort of a, a on exhibit, and it was worth like a lot. Of, how do you know? You got to yeah, help I me, mean, Scott. I, I, I think a lot of conceptual art, a lot of performance art is is interesting, but the, the markets are pretty pretty limited. I mean, we, we primarily focus on paintings by blue chip artists like Picasso, Basquiat. You mentioned Warhol. Um, so really brand name artists that, that have been around a long time. Excellent. Okay, we don't have time, Melissa. What would you ask? What would I would have asked about returns. What do they come in? 11% at? 11 so far to 15, this year, 14.3% yeah. net annualized. Over what time period is that net annualized number, Scott? Yeah, the, the Masterworks portfolio is up 11% this year. Historically, it's been up above 20% uh, on, a, on an annualized basis in terms of, of gross returns. So we, we have seen it come down a little bit, but compared to every other asset class, which is which is in the red right now, it's still very impressive. And that period that period went through a recession before. Uh, yeah, that a lot of our data goes goes back through prior financial crises. Financial crisis. Very good. All right, Scott. Thanks. Good, thanks. good to have you on. We'll be right back. When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like well, you. Target gets it which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Stand Joe by in three, two, one, two, Joe. I'm Joe Kernan along with Melissa Lee. Becky and Andrew are off uh, all week, and it's uh, their loss is our gain. Long week. <laughs> U.S. equity. You, you said it. I, I told you yesterday. You're only halfway through. And then today you said you're, you're exhausted already. I'm right? kind of tired. But Good. I'm happy to be here. And it's an exciting day. And I'm, we're happy to have you here. And there's a lot going on. But you will be here uh, on TV till six, till 6 o'clock. So that, yeah. you know, people need to do the math. That's like, <laughs> it's just a long, it's long. And, you know, TV's not easy. You've got you know, to watch what you say. Some, some people, anyway. American Airlines will give pilots triple pay to work flights that were mistakenly dropped due to a computer glitch this past weekend. The pilots union says that the air allowed pilots to drop thousands of future trips from their schedule. That left more than 12,000 flights uh, in July without a captain, a first officer, or in some cases, both. You're not flying planes if you don't have a, a captain and a, and a first officer. I don't care how small the plane is, you need two pilots. You're not moving the plane. No. Uh, Americans <laughs> said over the weekend it was adding uh, most of those trips back and the issue wouldn't impact uh, operations or passenger flights, but uh, the union said reinstating the flights violated uh, its contract. Meanwhile, uh, United Airlines and the FAA are locked in a war of words. A senior United executive said the nation's aviation system will remain challenged this summer and beyond and argued that the FAA uh, needs more air traffic control staff. Uh, but the FAA is pushing back. It responded uh, yesterday saying that there were no FAA staffing related delays uh, at all on July 3rd or July 4th. But United was still responsible for a quarter of the 1,100 flights uh, the airlines canceled on those two days. And I'm, depending on where we are, I, I can either really have a lot of empathy for trying to run an airline or a lot of anger when a flight gets canceled when the you look outside the weather's fine you look where the right. destination is the weather's, weather's fine. fine there and they, they blame it on it and it you know we all have these plans that seem really they are really important with family or whatever and and when you do that and then you're scrambling and they say okay we can get you there tomorrow morning it's like well tomorrow morning yeah, doesn't tomorrow get me morning, to the wedding yeah exactly <laughs> so but can you tr imagine trying to 50,000 takeoffs and landings in this country right. every day, and we expect it to, to run smoothly. And how about the public? Would you like to deal with the public? Yeah. You see Twitter, <laughs> don't you? Would you like to deal with the public as a, as a flight attendant or as a ticket agent or in any... Because the only time some you're dealing people are with nice. them is... Some people are nice. They, for the most surprising. part, I would say probably 80%, I would nice. guess. Yeah. Or, no, are, are or angry. Or <laughs> when they actually go up right. to a ticketing agent, yeah. you're in a position where you want something yeah. and they probably cannot give it to you. Right. It's that's just hard. It's a, it's a service business where yeah. it's a very difficult service to provide. Then you've got luggage <laughs> getting lost. And you know, then you're dealing with Newark, Newark Airport, too, which God knows what goes on there behind the scenes. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> And that's Squawk Pod for this Thursday. 
Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Joe and Melissa Lee will be back at it tomorrow. And those, you know, it's my show, but go ahead. No, it is your show. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, please follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you follow us, you can get Squawk Pod in your feed every day. Join the fun. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 